0: The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2015 Twin Cities Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. All right. Hi. My name is James Leckler. And, uh... I am here to talk about gospel maturity. Um, a couple stats, vital stats I'm in. Anything about like my blood pressure and stuff, Yeah, my life. Um, yeah I uh, graduated from Northwestern College in 2008. Uh, I currently work for a small consulting company. Uh, we service clients such as Fairview, uh, Alina Health, Health Partners. Uh, do a lot of uh, learning development, change management. And uh, I've been married to my wife, Betsy, for about, man, going on 60 years now. We got married just about right after, right after college, and I've uh, got a son, Theodore, who's a uh, year and seven months, and then I've got a little girl on the way in September. So life, life moves pretty quick, as you guys will all, as you probably are finding out, a lot of you, it sounds like, are um, in your later years of college, which is really, really exciting. Uh, so. how
1: many
0: of you have graduated? That's great. How many are seniors in college? How many are juniors in college? Sophomores. Sophomore? Freshman? Okay, no freshies in here. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like I have one other thing. Oh, um, Betsy and I go to downtown campus, um, Bethlehem. So I may see some of you, ver- some of you guys around. Uh, any downtowners? Any downtown campus? Anybody going North Side? North Side, okay. Kind of. I saw one of these. <laughs> <laughs> Talk after. Uh, that's uh, that's good. So we go to downtown campus. It's been a real blessing. That's uh, Jared and I have um, gotten to connect a lot over the last few years about small groups, and Jared's been a mentor to me. I've grown a lot um, uh, through his ministry in my life, and um, yeah, I've been really blessed. I, I grew up in campus outreach at Northwestern, Matt Reagan, uh, started lifting weights with me. Uh, Actually, it was the first year Matt was on campus, he was like 17 years old or something. Uh,
1: He He was lifting you, wasn't he? He was lifting me, yeah. Yeah. And
0: uh, and he was lifting weights and uh, asked me, you know, what I was doing at college, what major was, you probably got that question from a staff person when you're uh, a freshman. And uh, we started a friendship. And I could not believe this guy loved Jesus more than just about anybody I knew. But yet he, was, he had more of a sense of freedom than anybody else I knew. I, I, I couldn't reconcile those things. So when he asked me if I wanted to study the Bible for, uh, my second semester freshman year, I was like, absolutely. And uh, and it took about six months for my mind to just kind of turn, probably heard the paradigm word a few a few times from staff people, but that, that paradigm started to shift from my life is about what I do to serve God to my life revolves around who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And uh, it... it catapulted, um, I think, my spiritual growth and in uh, my ministry at Northwestern. And then my wife and I, we ended up uh, uh, getting married after, like I said, after college. And we thought we were going to go on Staff Camps Outreach. That was my goal, my intent, my five-year plan. But I had a ton of college college debt, um, at which I, I, you probably none of you can relate with. But I had lots and lots of it. And, uh, and so we decided to go to Korea for about a year and pay off some debt. And we were able to pay off a good amount of debt. But on the way back from Korea, my wife said, I don't know how much I'm into this whole raising support thing. Can we kind of talk about this? And I said, okay. I was frustrated, but okay, we'll do it. We'll talk about it. And as we talked about it, God called me to a different vocation. Um, he called me to doing consulting. And, uh, and I think that's just an evidence of how you can have your mind set on one thing. And he says, you're going that way. And, and it was good. It was exactly what I needed um, in my life. So, it's a little bit of background on me, and uh, let's talk uh, gospel maturity. Before I start, I'm going to pray and ask God for help. Father, you're here. You're here in open book. Uh, you are moving, not just in this room, but downstairs. Uh, you are moving in the city. Um, you are on the move because you are the living God that we serve. And we know that because we're here and, uh, and, and we are evidences of you moving. We're evidences of you saving and redeeming and loving people who don't deserve it. So God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray that, um, that their hearts would be soft and open and ready to receive your word, not mine. I pray that my heart would be soft and open and ready to receive what you want to say through me. Um, your word says that, that let those who speak Speak as ones who speak the oracles of God. So I pray that that be true tonight, in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So uh, when we uh, maybe two or three years ago, we started a small group, and uh, and we uh, I reached out to Jared and I said, Do you have any recent graduates who are coming out of campus outreach looking for a small group to land? We'd love to have them, and uh, preferably, we actually needed. Uh, we had a spot for a couple single girls, we had some single guys already, some married, and so we said, a couple single girls, so he said, yeah, I've actually got this perfect, they're, they're two besties, they, they're looking for a small group, you know, can you, can you have them, and he was like, actually, you know, one of them is, it was going to go on staff, but, and she was a team leader at Project last year, but she's, you know, kind of feeling like she wants to go in the workplace, but she's going to be great, and, uh, and this other gal's, you know, going to the workplace, she'll be great. So we said, great, awesome. This uh, this gal who was going on staff but decided not to, she ended up sending me an email a couple days later. Said, hey, I heard about small group. I really wanna, I really wanna join. I'm really excited. I heard great things about you guys. And uh, and so she she joined, and it was really great, really exciting. Well, uh, a really hard breakup happened in her life about a month later. Within that month ish time, and uh, and over over the months where she was in our small group you could just start to see her drift from the truth and uh, and the the truth that seemed to have a hold on her in college the thing that she felt convicted about to the point where she would lead other women where she was considering raising support to go on staff with a college ministry that truth was not speaking to her anymore um, loneliness was speaking to her um, disappointment was speaking um, uh, satisfaction from the opposite sex of speaking to her, and uh, and in about a year, um, she was um, actually she actually came to our small group, and despite all of our efforts, all of our conversations, all of our prayers, said, I, I, "I'm not going to fake it anymore. I, I'm not a Christian. I don't want this. I don't believe in God." And uh, and was a member at Bethlehem. She was on the the church roster, and when we had a quarterly strategy, her name was on. Um, the, the remove from membership. Uh, that was, that was a sobering, sobering reality for me. And I can think back probably on my, over the last five years, I can probably think of four people post college who were in campus outreach or had some connection who aren't walking with Jesus anymore. Um, don't, don't want him, don't want him in their life. And, uh, or don't want him in their life. Don't, do not want believers in their life. And, uh, Functioning is not Christians. Um, so my uh, my question is, how does that happen? How does it, how does that even happen? That seems inconceivable. You probably look at your friends across the table and you say that, that is inconceivable. I can imagine, you know, that person not loving Jesus in five years or two years. And uh, I w- I would submit to you that is the 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 very the very core issue was that their gospel maturity was was never there never existed. True gospel maturity did not exist. And we're going to talk about gospel maturity. We're going to ask the question, what is gospel maturity? Is it perfection? Is it a certain type of obedience? Is it knowing something about the gospel? Is it feeling something about the gospel? Is it walking in such a way that that emanates the gospel? What is gospel maturity? And uh, I think with all the questions you have um, facing you in the next Two years, one to two years, or right now? Where am I going to live? Where am I going to work? Who am I going to live with? What am I going to do? Who am I going to marry? Uh, all of these questions. There's not a question uh, that I could that I could think of that would be more important than it, than do I know what gospel maturity is, and is it true about me? Is gospel tr- maturity true about me? And so I, I just want you to take a minute. I want you to think. I want you to think to yourself, self. How important is gospel maturity to me? Do I, do I consider it on a daily basis? Have I considered it before? Do I even know what it is? So, uh, just expectation setting. Uh, I, I like to have interaction, and I like you to be in, interacting with the, the concept. So I'm going to be asking you to talk to one another. I'm going to be asking you to write stuff down. Um, so if you are hoping to be a passive learner tonight and just let it wash over you, I apologize. It's not going to be a lot of that. Um, so the, the I, I will submit to you again that gospel maturity is one of the most important questions you can be asking yourself. What is it, and does it, is it true about me? And you will, you will uh, in a year or right now, you're going to be heading off to Seattle or into the cities, and you're going to be confronted not only with the world and what they think the truth is and what they tell you to believe, but you're going to be confronted more and more with Satan and his, um, his wiles his lies, and you're gonna be confronted with your flesh in ways that you hadn't seen before because you're in a community that mitigated a lot of that. You're in a greenhouse where you got to enjoy all the blessings and benefits of close Christian fellowship. And and by close I mean I live with the person, right? And I go to breakfast and lunch and dinner with the person, and then I see my staff person that mentors me twice a week. And I'm constantly interacting with these, these people that believe the same truth, and we're all going upstream. And pretty soon you're going to get thrown at at Amazon. I I know way too much about you. You're going to be the source of all my (laughs) analogies (laughs) now. But Amazon. And you're going to be thrown into a culture that is going the opposite direction. And so, the extent to which your heart is founded in the gospel, anchored in the gospel, you are going to, that is is going to be in as much as you can withstand those temptations. And truly, um, like the word says, prove whether or not um, you were of Him. Whether or not. He was in you. All right, question number two. And this is uh, this is where we're going to start to unpack gospel maturity a little bit. So when you ta- think about gospel maturity, the first question you need to ask and the first thing you need to clarify is what is the gospel, right? And this might seem very um, kindergarten-ish, um, but as you've probably heard from all of your staff people and you've told one another, the gospel is not the ABCs. It's the A through Z. So let's think about the gospel. Um, I want you to jot down in a in a sentence or two what the gospel is. If you're going to summate it for somebody. All right, nice. Wow, that was quick. That was good. All right. So, uh, man, it's just it's good. It's good news, and it's good news to hear people telling one another good news. And uh, and if you if you um, you you may have had a definition that's better than even mine, and that's that's awesome. But I, just so that we're all kind of on the same page, there's, a, there's an author that I really enjoy who would summarize the gospel as um, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. So period after each one. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. You've probably heard about it uh, if, if you've been in uh, Camp start Reach long enough and, uh, and or if you've read anything by Tim Keller. Um, but uh, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And I want to unpack those just real quickly and say creation is is, is even, even deeper than that, it's Christ, creation through Christ. Creation took place through Christ. We look, see that in First John, or John 1, 3, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything. Anything made that was made, I was I was um, reading in Proverbs this morning. Um, me and a couple other guys in a small group are going through Proverbs, and uh, the the proverb that I was meditating on was a proverb where uh, uh, um, Solomon says um, the he, it's it's a really interesting proverb how it goes. It's it's here's all of creation, like eight verses on creation, and then it says, "And I delighted in you." And God's speaking about wisdom. He says, "I delighted in you." You are the delight of my heart. And if you cross-reference that, that's, that's God speaking of. He says the same thing to Jesus when he says, This is my beloved, the one in whom I am well pleased. So eight verses on creation, and then it says, The thing that I created with was this wisdom, and that wisdom was Jesus. Jesus was the wisdom that God said, I'm going to create the earth with. He expressed himself through the person of Jesus. And then as we know, the fall happened. Romans uh five twelve, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. Now I'm not I'm not gonna rift on this really long, but we all feel this sin. We know this sin. It's here, it's right now with me in my fight to not try to get you to like me as I speak and try to get you to love Jesus. Instead of love me. That sin is here. It's in you. As you think about yourself more than you think about anything else in your chair. It's about, it's 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 here. And it's broken us deeply. And it's broken our world. To where we can't work. We can't play. We can't sleep. We can't eat. Rightly. Until um, the rest of the gospel happens. And it does. So that's uh, um, number two. Because of sin we fell and lost everything. Number three. Through Christ. God redeemed everything. So remember, creation, fall, redemption. Through Christ, God redeemed everything. Titus 2.14, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, for his zealous, for good works. Jesus Christ has redeemed us. That's the proclaimed good news. And it doesn't stop there. And this has actually been something that's been very sweet to me of, of, of late. And that is that God restores all things. Uh, and this is found in Revelation twenty one five. Through Christ, God will restore everything. Revelation one five. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Who was seated on the throne? Jesus is seated on the throne. Jesus is seated on the throne, and he says, Behold, look, behold, look. I'm making everything new. I'm making human resources new. I'm making IT new. I'm making math new. I'm making you new. I'm making marriage new. I'm making everything new. I'm doing it. Through Jesus, everything's being restored. Creation through Jesus. Fall in our flesh. Redemption through Jesus. Restoration through Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. So, now the next question would be maturity. What's maturity? You guys want to know what Webster thinks maturity is? Webster says maturity is having reached a final or desired state or the full development of a specific thing. So the final or desired state or the full development of a specific thing. So what I think is really helpful, and I've been really helped by, by teachers who have done this, but I think it's really helpful to think about how does my culture define maturity? So how does American culture find, define maturity? And I think it's helpful to do that because most likely what your, your culture thinks is something you think in some way, shape, or form. It's very, very hard to get away from it. You, you, can, you can hate certain things about American culture to the nth degree, but you're going to find it in you um, because you can't block out all the billboards and all the commercials and all the, you know, every, every person you ever interact with. So what I did is I thought, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out online and I'm going to see what Google says about maturity <laughs> and uh, see if I can get some, get kind of a grasp on what Americans think about it. So here are a couple quotes that I, I read uh, on maturity. Maturity is not when we start thinking big things but when we start understanding small things. (laughs) Maturity is when you stop making excuses and start making changes. Uh, Maturity is when someone hurts you and you try to understand their situation and don't hurt them back. So, I don't think any of those statements are necessarily poor statements, bad statements. I'm not trying to make fun of them. But there's something that I found really interesting as I read and scrolled through all these different t-shirts and posters and um, philosophers' uh, statements on maturity. or on, yeah, on maturity. Uh, it always came back to one thing. It always came back to one thing. It came back to you. Maturity is about you. What are you doing with that information? What are you doing with that situation? What are you doing about your life? That's maturity. Take responsibility. Figure it out. Pull yourself up. Think rightly. Feel rightly. Do rightly. That's maturity. If you're doing that, you're mature. And I would, I would submit to you that although there is a truth in that, we to we'll talk about that later, there's an underlying idol in our culture that every single one of us worships to an extent. And it's the idol of the individual. The idol of me. And it is all mixed up in this gospel maturity thing. Because gospel maturity weeds that out. Because at the end of the day, your maturity, gospel maturity, has nothing, I shouldn't say nothing, it has everything to do with Jesus in you. That's gospel maturity. Gospel maturity is not about you, it's about Christ in you. Gospel maturity is not about you. It's about Christ in you. And I would add, not about you. I would, I would throw a caveat of not primarily. Because I, I think I, I tend to speak, and my wife gets me on this all the time, spend, tend to speak hyperbolically. And I would say there is an aspect of gospel maturity that is about you, and it's, and it's beautiful, and it's glorious, and it's wonderful. But if it's primarily about you, which is what the, 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 our culture will tell you, then you are, um, are going to be lost. You're going to be lost. So, here's a couple, uh, here's a couple passages them. You're saying, where are you getting that, James? I, and and that, is, that would be the right question to ask. Um, from the Bible, Galatians 2.20. Uh, two of the, I'm going I'm to quote two of the most, probably, probably the most mature men outside of Christ himself. The first is the Apostle Paul. He says in Galatians 2.20, It is no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh, I live by what? Faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. So, it's not me anymore. It's not me anymore. It's him. That is me. I am him. He is me. It's about him. And the second is uh, the one that Jesus said, there's no greater man than this. The prophet John the Baptist. What did he say when people were coming and say, John, they're not giving you your props anymore, man. People are leaving you and going to Jesus. What did he say? I must decrease. He must increase. That's gospel maturity. That's gospel maturity. I must decrease; He must increase. Gospel maturity is not about you primarily. It's about primarily about Christ in you. Ephesians four eleven through fourteen. I think this this is a great verse on uh, kind of in it, it. And it may seem like it's a it's a roundabout, but I think it's it's really helpful. So um, and actually, I want you to open up to this one because I think this is this is a verse. When you think gospel maturity, I think it's a helpful verse set of verses. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. By the way, I'm going to try to leave about five minutes at the end um, for questions. If anybody has any questions or wants to nuance something, and and that'd be great. So if you have any any thoughts or questions, please jot them down and we can talk about them. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. Now the first part's going to seem like, ah, this doesn't sound like maturity to me, but just wait till the end. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and some as teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So I just want you to see that this concept of maturity not being about you, it's It being primarily about Christ. It's here. It's in the scriptures. The goal, the goal of God even giving gifts to the church. The reason Jason Meyer was given to you. The reason um, your friend with that gift of counseling was given to you was that you might become uh, grown up in the maturity and fullness of Christ. Fullness of Christ. Gospel maturity is about Christ in you. So why is that so important? Why is it so important to clarify what gospel maturity is and isn't? And I'll tell you, um, it's it's important because the the girl in my small group who walked away from Jesus after a year, um, her that quite that question was a hinge in her life, and 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 it, it did not did not swing in the right direction. She she did not see that gospel maturity was not about her, but about Christ in her, and. And it's because of the second question, or the second question is answered by it. It's how do you grow in gospel maturity? The second question hinges on that first question, how do you grow in gospel maturity? So what I want you to do, this is going to be kind of tricky, this question. It's going to take some critical thinking. You guys are all in college, so this shouldn't be out of the norm for you. But I want you to answer the question, how do you grow in gospel maturity? With two different lenses. I want you to answer the question, how do you grow in gospel maturity? With the lens of, Um, Christ, gospel maturity is Christ in me primarily and then I want you to answer it a second way I want you to answer it, what would it look like if I thought gospel maturity was primarily about me how would that change the way I think about how I grow in it so how do I grow in gospel maturity side number one gospel maturity is about Christ in me side number two, gospel maturity is about me primarily, I want you to answer those two questions I'm going to give you about two minutes because it's a little trickier question I really want you to think about this Great, thank you. Uh, so, so I want to elaborate on this a little bit. Um, gospel maturity uh, and how we grow in the gospel is is so important because there, there are so many things you could say about it. There's so many different av- avenues you could take. You could have five different people talking to you about this and they could give you five different perspectives. But I want to submit to you a perspective that I think is, has been really helpful for me and a perspective that I think is foundational for Anybody saying, "How do I grow? How do I grow in this gospel maturity thing?" I don't feel mature in the gospel. I feel I feel weak, and I would, and I would say I have a I have a, uh, a thought about that. And uh, and first, uh, I want to talk about means of grace. How many of you have heard the term means of grace? Okay, or disciplines of grace. If anybody's read the book "Disciplines of Grace" by Jim Bridges, and uh, the the means of grace or, or um, disciplines of grace. Um, is, is a term used, a fancy term used, for just things God has given you for you to grow in the gospel. So there are things that God has given you, saying, I'm going to give these to you so that you can grow in gospel maturity. So that you can grow into the fullness of Christ. So Christ in you would increase, and you would de- decrease. And the extent to which you have gospel maturity is the extent to which when you look at those means of grace, so for instance, I'm going to use an example, the Bible, the Bible would be a means of grace, to to the extent which your posture is like this, that is to the extent to which you are growing in gospel maturity. Gospel maturity, if I was going to act it out, I would say it is a position of openness to God. Position of openness to God. That's how you grow in it. It's not exactly what it is, but it's how you grow in it. So, um, if you, I want you, I actually, I want you all to do this. I want you to just do this. Put your hands, do this. It's really awkward. It's great. Do this. Okay. It's kind of a weird feeling, isn't it? It's kind of like vulnerable. It's awkward. You don't want to look at each other in the eye. <laughs> but this is, this is the heart of somebody who has received the gospel and who wants to receive the gospel. You can you put your hands down? And I would, I would submit to you that your interactions with the means of grace must be like this for you to grow in gospel maturity. So let's look at a few means of grace. And what I want to do is I want to contrast means of grace with its evil twin brother, means of righteousness. And I am a recovering Pharisee, just like I'm a recovering people pleaser. They usually go linked, one and the same, or very closely linked. And the means of grace very quickly turn into means of righteousness. When when gospel maturity is not about Christ in me, but it's about me, and then the means of grace very quickly turn into the means of righteousness. So my interactions with the means of grace look very different when I am functioning with the worldview or the mindset or the paradigm that gospel maturity is about Christ or is, is about me and not primarily about Christ and me. So let's take a look at a few. First is the Bible. So your position as a, somebody growing in gospel maturity would be an openness to God's word. When you come to God's word, there would be an openness to his word. And the reason you're open to his word is because you say, this is going to give me more of Jesus. I know it. I don't know. I don't necessarily know exactly what I'm going to see. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but I know it's going to give me more of Jesus. And so I'm going to go to it. And I'm not just going to go to it when I feel like it, because again, gospel maturity is not about me. It's about Christ in me. So I'm going to go to it even when I don't feel like it, because I know I'm going to get grace there, because he says I will. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Psalm 119. What well, gospel maturity is about me, um, I have a position of closeness to his word. I'm closed. And that might look like avoiding it or it might look like going to it to a new intellectual insight that isn't necessarily going to touch me and whether or not it needs to change me or whether or not I need to obey something or repent. Uh, it's what can I do to think of something new, think of something interesting, learn something that I can teach somebody else so that I can look good. It's about me. I have an example of this. There's a, man, once you get into small groups, guys, you start, this starts becoming really clear. (laughs) I mean, and I'm sure it's in D groups too, but once people start getting into the world and things get really, really messy, it starts getting really clear. So I've got a buddy who's married. Him and his wife have a really tumultuous relationship. And, uh, and he um, comes to me, asks for counsel all the time. And first, first question is, how's, how's time been with the Lord? How's time been in the Word? It's always, uh, it's kind of his body. It's kind of his body. Okay? So when you get in that argument, how do you think, if, if your life is functioning as maturity is about you, not about Christ in you, it's not an openness to the Word, it's closeness to the Word, how when you when you start interacting with your wife? How do you think you're going, to, you're going to interact with her as Christ would interact with her? You have increased all week long. He has decreased. How are you going to, inc- how are you going to interact with her as Christ has interact- would want you to interact with her? You're not. I okay, know, I know, I know. So he gets time in the Word. Spends time with Jesus. Humbly repents of his sin when he sees Jesus in the Word. Guess what? The way he treats his wife drastically different. Drastically different. The Bible is applicable not it's not a throwaway it's not just something we do to check something off our list it changes us it changes me not just in the morning when i when i read it but in the afternoon when i when i get a text from my my buddy who's been studying proverbs and he says hey man this word really hit me i read it today water water my soul and 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 my even in that i need to i need to practice all right i'm not just going to read this and say hey thanks man amen but i'm going to go openness okay read it what do you want to say to me lord that is good that is true Man, Lord, I repent. That's not the way I've been thinking about my client today. That's not the way I've been thinking about um, people in my, in my life. So that's the word. Number two, prayer. Means of grace. Now, I'm not going to go exhaustive on you with the, with the means of grace, but uh, prayer. Listen, openness to God's presence. Openness to God's presence. Presence in every situation see a lot of people who pray really, really nice prayers, really, really long prayers when they're in Bible study, but then you ask them if they pray when that, that really hard situation comes up, and it's like, no, why? It's not, you're not open to the reality that God is, He's there. He is in that fight. He is in that struggle. He's in that um, weakness. He's there. He's in, when you don't have a parking spot downtown and you can't find one, He's in that. He's there. And, and openness to God's presence says, God, I'm to frustrated right now, can you give me a parking spot? And if you don't give me one, can you give me peace to know that you, you love me? That's an openness to God's presence. People that uh, think gospel maturity is about them, what do they say? What was prayer like to them? It's a dream. It's a chore. It's hard. Gotta talk to, oh yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to talk to God? Okay, Lord. Uh, save my mom, save my dad. Help me to love you. Amen. Or it's a flowery prayer that gets me praise from people when I, when I say things really cool. When, when it's about me, it's not about openness to who he is in his presence. Here's a here's a means of grace that you're gonna hopefully get well acquainted with after school. The church, the church. Ephesians four is talking about when we just read that. It's talking about all of the different roles in the church and how that's a means of grace to let you grow up into mature manhood in the fullness of Christ. Evangelists, prophets, apostles. Um, teachers, elders and, and so many more gifts that the church has, has in it to give you more of himself and, uh, and so when I think about uh, new graduates going out I, probably one of the biggest misconceptions um, that I've seen is people go out and they think the church is about me the church is about where can I fit in my giftings where, where am I going to get the type of church that, that really tickles my fancy scratches that itch Rather than what church is going to increase Christ in me? What church is going to give me the fullness of Christ? Which is the question that the gospel mature person has. They're open to the church. And they're not just open to the church at large, which I think would look like submitting yourself to a body of elders, becoming a member, but they're also open to the individual, the the priesthood of all believers. So I I want you to tell me if you see something that's jacked up in my life, I want that sin to be gone. Even to the point where you move somewhere, you move to Seattle, and you say, I hate my sin more than I hate shame. I hate my sin more than I hate awkwardness. So I'm going to link up with people that are older than me, weirder than me, or cooler than me. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be open. Because I want Christ in me in a fuller way. It's the means of grace, the church. Then finally, this is kind of where we're going to land it with means of grace. And this is... uh, Something I've seen a lot in the, the Campus Outreach grads and the people coming out of college is trials. The means of grace of trials. So if any of you were um, at the last few services Jason has been preaching at, it's really helpful. But uh, Romans, Romans 5, uh, when it says trial, uh, when it, you guys know Romans 5, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces... Character and character produces hope. Hope does not disappoint. Why? Because he pours the Spirit in. So when you when you are hoping in Christ, when Christ in you is the aim, when it's the goal, when it's the when it's the sure thing, not the job that I could get, not the girlfriend or the boyfriend I or the spouse I could get, not the place I could live, not the position at work. When Christ is the aim, Christ in me is the aim then that hope is going to, you're, you're going to see the Spirit, the Holy Spirit come in, He's going to give you more of Christ. Through that tri- trial, through that decision, through that hardship, loneliness, um, feeling dissatisfied uh, feeling at a specific job, the gospel gives you stability to stick it out. Five years down the road, you're still not married. Five years down the road, you're still in that job and that manager is the worst five years down the road and you're still living in an apartment with three other people and they all smell and it's just really brutal and and you're going to be able to stick it out because the gospel is your hope. Because Christ in me, and so I would just say that is again, that is a position of openness to the sovereign will of God. It's a position of openness to the sovereign will of God. So a position of openness, gospel, gospel growth happens through a position of openness to um, his word position of openness to his presence position of openness to his people a position of openness to his sovereign will if you if you if you resolve brothers and sisters if you resolve to go like this with God he will not disappoint you he will not disappoint you he's not going to say it mm, open your hands up a little bit wider he's not going to say it mm, I don't really feel like it today he doesn't do that he is he is gracious he's the God of the gospel God, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, when you were lost without hope, that said, I'm going to come, I'm going to save you, because I love you, and that's it. And so when you go like this to that God, He doesn't turn the other way. So some of you, I'm sure, feel weak. You don't feel like you're knocking it out of the park in any of those categories with the means of grace, and I want to encourage you. You're here tonight which shows an openness to the gospel. You're here tonight saying, I want one Jesus. And so I just want to stoke that I want to say, I want to say lean into that. I want to say open up your heart tonight when you when you guys are talking about why cities matter. Think about God, what do you want to tell me in this? Your presence, you're here. When you're when you're interacting with one another, you're listening to one another, you're opening yourself up to one another vulnerably, sharing sins, sh- sharing struggles, because you believe that grace is gonna pour in as you open up your hands and say, God, I want to grow, I want Christ in me, I want less of me, I want me to decrease, I want you to increase. Let's uh let's take a let's take a minute and um, if you guys have any questions.
1: What has been here? So did you graduate and then man, so I was involved in the ministry, I was discipled, and I guess it just got transferred to different contexts. I uh, just keep cruising along. Or was it dip and then and what was the what was the uh, life lifeline for you? Know, and then what are the things that have helped you grow and to not be like you're in a group that walked away. What's kept you
0: staying here? Uh, it's great. Um, the, uh, the, 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 so my wife and I went to Korea. We lived in a 400 square foot apartment um, with a studio in a country on the ninth floor in a country that totally foreign to us and uh, lived 24 seven with each other because we <coughs> talked in the same building right next to each other. And, uh, and man, my sin came out. So hard and so fast, it was amazing. I was like I, I mean, I lived with six really grungy dudes in the lodge at Northwestern. I mean I, I thought I knew how to live with people, but I couldn't handle I couldn't handle how much my wife didn't like me at times um, and uh, and I think that really that really um, that was the dip, if you will, that was the dip, but it was a uh, it was a dip that that pushed us further into community and made us really resolve to say, like I talked about, my my sh- my sin is more dangerous than my shame. So I if I if I have to go and say, hey guys, you know I argued with my wife five five hours last night straight, and and I yelled at her and I was horrible, and and that's shameful, especially for guys that you don't know basically at all because you're just been that church. But they would say truth, they'd be gracious. I'd say James, man, I get it. This is the truth of God and how it changed stuff. That, that, that's it. I mean, that saved us in Korea. Probably would have had to come home early um, if it wasn't for our church community in, in Korea that some really close guys that spoke truth. So things that helped, I would say that concept of my, my sin is more dangerous than my shame, and then um, the pastor that was at that church, uh, I was doing a little bit of teaching there, and he said, I don't want you teaching anybody unless you're spending an hour with Jesus every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You said, you can't take anybody anywhere until you've gone there yourself. And uh, and and that really hit me a ton. Because I, I had done ministry. I mean, I was a project director, right? And so I, I thought I had my walk with Jesus down. And, and But my relationship with him was kind of spotty in terms of how much time I got with him. Because um, I just kind of I went off my, my charisma and I went off my relationship with other guys and being discipled by Andrew Knight. It was like all this was kind of fresh. And then... Uh, and this showed that there was a new depth that needed to happen for me to really be loving and serving people well in the church. Yeah. I um, know you were going through sort of the, what it looks like to be, think about it too, uh, maturity of Christ in me versus as about me. How did you sort of, you probably said it, but how did you talk about what does it look like in trials? Like what should we be wary of in like a response to trials that would be like us trying to have, like, have gospel maturity be about us? That's great, yeah, I don't think I talked about it. Um, so, I was going to time a lot, I was going to go through kind of situations of people in our small groups. I thought for each one, I thought of somebody, like the prayer, there's the anxious guy in our group who, God's presence is only there in worship, but when I feel that thing that's gripping my heart, am I going to get a job? I can't open up and give that to the Lord. Or uh, the the community, the gospel community one, it's, gospel's a gym. It's it's a gym, or the, not gospel, the church is a gym membership, and I just go to the place where I kind of Fit the best, and you get the best deal, and get things out of it that I want. Not, I'm open to God's people and growing in Christ. And then that one trials, I think it's it's all about the sovereign will of God. But um, try, want to get out of them, right? Try in in America, we have so many options, so many options. I don't like my phone, I'll get a new phone. I don't like my job, I'll look on you know job boards. I don't I don't like my house, okay, I'll look at new place to live. So many options in America. We we can we can pull our own strings. And the gospel, gospel maturity says, God will let you pull my strings. I'm not going to try to pull my own strings. You are sovereign. You, the fact that I'm in this job, the fact that I'm in this relationship, the fact that I'm married or not married is because you said that was good for me. And I'm not just going to uproot because something's hard. Because your word says that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces, um, per, uh, sorry, character, character produces hope. Hope doesn't disappoint. I want to be disappointed. I want more spirit to to pour into me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it out. That's 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 a hard one. And I would say you need you need the word and you need the body and you need to be practicing the presence of God to be able to run through trials and and lean on people and be be okay with saying stupid things. I had to say stupid things in trials. Like man, I don't get this God. This seems I don't know why I'm in this job right now. I should be doing this this or this. And uh, truth comes in. It's getting late. Trying to get more, of just like a category for what is gospel maturity biblically. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the so if you if you read through the um, it go up in Ephesians, so take t- take time later tomorrow or whatever in Ephesians one through ten, and it's going to give you a lot of characteristics. I think what you're talking about is characteristics of gospel maturity, and it's going to talk about humility. It's going to talk about faith. It's going to be talking. It's going to talk about walking a way a manner worthy. And, uh, and the reason I didn't go there tonight, actually I was going to pose the question is, okay, so what does this look like? Like what does that practically look like day in, day out? So you can kind of figure out, am I walking in it, am I not walking in it? The reason I didn't go there is because I think the first foundational principle is that openness because I think when you are open, actually I know when you are open and you say, God, I want more of you, he's going to pour in all of those things. Those things are going to start coming in like a conduit. Um, but I would say um, that that position right there, that position of receiving is faith. That position of receiving is trust. Distrust is saying, I don't know if your word is going to give me what I need. I don't know if you're really here. I don't know if you're really sovereign. I don't know if your body is really what I need. And that's that's distrust. So I would say, yeah, I would say openness is another. I think you um, you hit it on the head. That's good. Thank God. Uh, another answer the, the question. Yeah, go ahead. Uh,
1: but some of this this openness is this receiving, and I mean maturity can can receive, and then I mean the open hand is. Give that also takes away, you know. And this, like you give, you take away, and that kind of thing. But the receiving is what's maturity, but the fruit of the Spirit: mm-hmm. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And how does that? That does it come from me. That comes from the Spirit. So it's, I mean, receiving this, this, this Holy Spirit work mm-hmm. that's changing th- things in here. And we have the gospel in front of our face. We have that the speaking in, speaking the truth in love we grow up into him so we, we hear truth so that the truth is coming in but the spirit is animating animating that that truth so it's all just you yeah. know this posture of receiving is a good way to put it all, all life is is receiving yeah.
0: and it will and I, and I think that's helpful in this context yeah. is you know if you see somebody that's not pa- patient kind loving you know any of those things then you say um I'm, man, I'm I'm sensing that there's not faith there. There's not trust. There's not openness. Uh, and uh, and and you talk about it. You talk about you know. Are you are you being open to the word? Are you being open to community? Are you being open to God's presence? This trial in your life. Are you open to that? And that's a good place to to have a conversation. Maybe one last word. <laughs> this is, is what up. happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <It's>, I'm up. <laughs>
1: just just that word repentance. Yeah. I and mean, that's maturity. Mm-hmm. And. Well, the first things I thought when you asked, hey, "How do you find maturity?" is I just put the ability to ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's I don't do it all right, and and so I have to I have to re- I have to receive. You know, um, so the mature person can be drawn to a place of repentance and ask for forgiveness, and and the, the mature person is a, a believer. They've received. You know, forgive me. You know, and it's there. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis,
0: Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach
1: Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at cominneapolis.org.